Well, good morning. Anybody miss your hour of sleep? Nah. Gee whiz, are you kidding? What's an hour? An hour. Hey, let me ask you a question as we start out today. I want to ask you this question. How many are into movies? How many have ever seen The Bucket List? The Bucket List. Morgan Freeman, Jack Nicholson, two guys that don't know each other until both of them are handed some pretty devastating news, and that is they have terminal illnesses. They're not going to live that much longer, and so Morgan Freeman jots down his bucket list. What he wants to do before he kicks the bucket. And he has several things on his list. And they live the rest of their time together. Trying to cross off things off their bucket list. Anybody in here have a bucket list? Things you want to do before you're gone. I wonder how many of those of us that have a bucket list, places we want to go, what we want to do, how many of us have fulfilling the purposes in which God created us and put us on this planet for? I wonder how many of us have those on our list. Today is week five in our series of Purpose Driven Life, learning the five purposes which God said he created us for. If you missed any of the first four messages, we kind of did an introduction and an overview, and then we started looking at purposes. The purpose number one is I, I, God wants me to receive his love. He doesn't want anything for him. He wants me to receive something. He wants me to belong to his family. God made it possible through his son's death for all of us to be included in his family. He wants us to become more like him. That's our goal. You want to have life that's fulfilling? Then you've got to become more like him, and we can't become more like him without spending time in his word. If you missed any of those, you can go to our website and watch and catch up on those. Today we're going to look at our fourth purpose in our five purposes. We have only got 28,470 days if you're average. That's 78 years. And we said, wouldn't it make sense to spend 40 of those days, six weeks, to discover why we're here? Why were we created? What does God want us to accomplish while we're here? If you would, take out your message outlines. We've already learned that we weren't created just to eat, breathe, work, retire, and die. It's good to know because sometimes life gets a little monotonous if you don't understand it, right? It's like, why do we do the same things over and over and over? And a lot of those things we don't even particularly like. Like, there's got to be more to this life than what I'm living. There is. But we have to go back to the designer, back to our creator to find out what that is. And that's what we've been doing. Life's not about getting all you can and canning all you get and then sitting on the can and protecting it all, right? A bucket list. I want to get to the end of my life and stand face to face with my creator and hear well done. Scott Winstead, you did what I put you on this earth for. You were faithful. You were faithful with what I gave you with your time and your talents and your resources. Don't you? This was even more uh, at the forefront of my mind last week. And for those of you that were here in the first service last week, um, I lied. Because we always say that the two services are identical, and they weren't last week. Matter of fact, I shared a story um, about my aunt in the second service that I didn't share with those of you in the first service. And that is last week we found out, or now it's a week, two, almost two weeks, 
ago, I talked to my aunt who lives in Adrian, and she's been a clean bill of health basically her whole life. Her husband, my uncle, passed away about a year ago, and uh, both of them are solid believers. They know Jesus. She's been a clean bill of health. She had a little osteoporosis, so every year she would go for her bone scan because her doctor wanted to just kind of monitor what was going on. They called her at the next day and said, hey, we found something abnormal in your blood. We'd like to get your permission to call an oncologist. They called her back that day and said, you have an appointment tomorrow with an oncologist. She went to the oncologist who said, I'm sorry to inform that you have acute leukemia and it's aggressive. You've had it for a while. And she said, well, I feel great. And he says, well, that's going to change. She said, well, what are we talking? He said, it's not curable. On the short side, get this, this was about 10 days ago. On the short side, you have four days. On the long side, if you take these very aggressive, very nasty treatments, 12 to 18 months, you need to let us know what you wish to do. If you choose the treatments, we have to wait until we get total sign-off from your insurance before we can start one. We talked to my aunt again last night, and she decided not to take treatments because she's going to be very deathly sick. They give her about three months. Said so that's not a guarantee. Whatever my aunt had on her bucket list, it's changed. There's phone calls she's wanting to make. There's people she's wanting to see. There's people that are friends of hers that she wants to very clearly share her faith with. Her and I talked like, you know what? We can all learn a lesson. I believe we all, all should learn to live each day like it's our last because one day you're going to be right. All of us should be living purpose-driven lives. As Christians, there's no way we should be living with our heads buried in the sand and act like this life is what it is. That's all that there is and there's nothing else because it's not true. We know better than that. God's given us five things to wrap our lives around in this one life because then we have eternity in a perfect place. That's why we're doing this. God created every single one of us. He wants us to know him. And once you know him, he wants you to give something back. And that's the fourth purpose of your life. If you're taking notes, go ahead and fill this in. My fourth purpose in life is I was created to serve God. I was created. One of the five things on God's bucket list for us is I'm to serve God. Look at Ephesians 2.10. This is your memory verse for the week. For we are God's workmanship. That means we are handmade. Remember that? Unique masterpieces. You're not one in a million. You're one in six billion. There's no one like you. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you ever created, God knew how he was going to make you, and he gave you time and talent and resources in this one life to serve him. Look at Galatians 1.15. God in his grace chose me even before I was born and he called me, he called me to serve him. You want to know one of your purposes is to serve God. Well, how do you serve God? Fill this in. I serve God by serving others. You've been blessed by God with time and talents and resources, not just to bless you and your family, but to bless others. And when we bless others, we're serving God. We serve God by serving other people. Whenever I use my talents and my gifts and my treasures to serve other people, listen, I'm becoming more like Christ. I'm fulfilling another one of my purposes. And so are you. That rubs against our natural grain as humans, right? Because by nature, I'm selfish. And whether you know this or not, by nature, you're selfish. You ever had to teach your little kids when they were two years old to be selfish? No way. Just lay a couple of toys down and put two kids down there. This one's mine. It's mine. He took mine. Right? We don't have to be taught to be selfish. It comes with our nature. 
But to be like Christ, I've got to serve other people. Jesus said, I ought to learn to love others more than I love myself. That's a rarity. That's a rarity. Anybody ever get a check from the government or income tax back and the first thing you think about is how you can be a blessing to someone else? Or do you think, are you kidding me? I have a whole list of stuff I want. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you're serving me. Whether it's physically, whether it's financially, whether you're helping someone as a neighbor to do something that they can't do for themselves or just to make their load lighter, we are doing it with the right attitude. You're serving God by serving others. There's thousands of different ways that you and I can serve other people and thus by doing that, we're serving God. It honors God. And believe it or not, you're going to start to feel better than you were when you were just kind of keeping it to yourself. And through the crossroads, I was thinking about that this week. Dozens and dozens and dozens of people serving God, involved as volunteers, although we're not really volunteers. We've been bought with a price. We're called to do this. People that are doing things behind the scenes that you and I have no clue about. People that get here early to make sure everything's ready to go. People that are here on Saturdays and they do it week in and week out. And can I just say, listen, there are so many people that behind the scenes compared to the people that you see out on stage or that you know about. It's crazy. We couldn't do it without them. And one of the challenges through these last two years, right, is that pool shrunk because we were isolated, we were sequestered, we were at home, and all, we all know why, and we know that that was a deal, right? It's starting to loosen up, and thankfully, we're headed in a better and better direction as a world in many ways. In other ways, it's getting sadder and sadder. But what would God's family look like if everybody was doing a thing? If everybody was serving God by serving others, if everybody was using their time and their talent and their treasures, and I'm not talking about just everybody at Crossroads, I'm talking about every believer across this globe. But then let's narrow it down. What if everybody at Crossroads was doing their thing? If you know Jesus and you're sitting on the bench, we want to help you get off the bench and get in the game. You know why? Because it's one of your purposes. I'm not looking something from you. I want something for you. I want you to live out God's purpose. <laughs> the reason I know that you have no idea about all the things that go on, I learn something almost every week that a crossroader is doing that I had no idea that they were doing. <laughs> and you would think as the pastor, like, I would know everything that's going on. <laughs> right. I don't. <laughs> Sometimes my wife and I will be out about in the community and someone will stop us and say, hey, aren't you the pastor at Crossroads? And I'm like, uh, yeah, because you never know what they mean by that, right? Like, <laughs> have heard about you or whatever. And they'll say, you know what, you guys fed our family when we were down and out. You guys built a ramp for my grandpa and he couldn't get in and out of his house. And some people from your church showed up and they built him a ramp. And now he can get in and out of his house. You built a ramp for my mom who hadn't been out of her house for like two years. She had to be physically carried as an adult woman out of her house to her car to go to the doctor. And she doesn't have to do any of that anymore because of what you, got, you did. And I'm like, I didn't do it. No, but your church did. 
You guys changed the oil in my daughter's car for free. Can I tell you, you know how cool that is? You know how cool that is for me to hear? But then I, yeah, and we should celebrate that, absolutely, because that's our, one of our purposes. But then I start thinking, what if we were all doing that? What if we were all doing that? What if it was on our bucket lists? If all those folks were doing their thing, how much different would this community be? If all of us that knew Jesus, you know what I think about sometimes? And I thought about it several times actually during this pandemic time. That if we shut the doors of Crossroads, because it got pretty tough, a lot of few, fewer people doing more things to try to keep everything going because we all weren't together and many people were not here or were not involved. And we know why, but it still happened. And it's still happening at some level, right? But I thought, what if, what if we shut the doors of Crossroads? And the only people that were really upset or that really cared are the people that attend here, we'd be a failure as a church, in my opinion. If the only people that said, hey, you mean Crossroads closed their doors and it was just Crossroaders that said that? And the community didn't see a void? They didn't see things not getting done and all of a sudden they're like, hey, how come those things aren't getting done? Because there's a church that was vibrant and active and doing their thing in this community, and all of a sudden, they just shut their doors down. That'd be a sad day if the only people that cared was us. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for this community. We exist for this world. We serve God by serving other people. We're to love other people more than we love ourselves. And that's got to show by our actions, right? How many of you know it's a whole lot easier to talk the Christian life than it is to live it? Man, I'm good at that. Love means actions. It's not enough to just say it. <laughs> My wife reminds me of that. I'll tell her sometimes. I just, I love you so much, I'd die for you. She said, you keep saying that, but you never do it. <laughs> That's kind of mean, isn't it? <laughs> so you know what we're going to do today? We're going to do what I call a shoe leather message. This is a shoe leather message. Anybody know what a shoe leather message is? It means we're going to put some action to the message. That we're not just going to hear this. We're going to actually give you a chance to do something about it. Because God says, I don't want you to be hearers of my word. Only I want you to be doers of my word. So I want to give you some four facts about serving God. And then I want to give you an opportunity to do something about it. Fact number one, I was saved to serve. I was saved to serve. If you were lost and now you're found because you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you've been saved. You're saved from death. You're saved from sin's penalty because Jesus has took your penalty for you and you were saved to serve. Now that you're part of his family, he wants you to be a part of his search and rescue crew. He wants to use you to impact other people that don't know him. 2 Timothy 1.9, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work. We're doing God's work. We're supposed to do God's work. If you're just doing your work, your life, your thing, you're missing out on why you were created. Not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan, because God loved us and he wants us in his family. So he sacrificed his son in our place so we could live for him and serve him. 
you were saved to serve. You know what that means? That means you've got a God-given purpose, a role, a function to fulfill in this one life that you have. And if it's average, 78 years, 28,470 days. I don't know where you're at on that continuum. Not everybody gets that far. All I know is I can't back up and do anything yesterday that I didn't do. I can only start from today, and so can you. And we can move forward. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20. God paid a great price for you. You realize that? The ultimate price, it was the sacrifice of his son. So use your body to honor him. And the way we honor him is by serving others. We're not to serve God out of guilt. We're, we're to serve him from a place of gratitude for what he's done. When you realize what he's done for you, that he did for you what you can't do for yourself. He provided salvation through his son's death because there was no other way. Blood had to be shed. He shed his son's, so ours didn't have to be shed. A penalty had to be paid. He put that penalty on his son so we wouldn't have to take the penalty. And once you realize that, you say, oh my goodness, I want to live the rest of my life serving him because I could work every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If it was possible, I still couldn't repay him. It still wouldn't equal what he's done for me. It cost God his son for my salvation. So I don't serve him out of duty. I do it out of gratitude. Look at 1 John three fourteen. Our love for each other proves that we've gone from death to life. How much you really love people? How much do your actions show it? Do your actions show if someone was watching from a distance on a closed circuit camera, you 24 hours, seven days a week, would they conclude after a week or two that you love you or that you love Jesus by watching you serve and love on other people? That's a biggie, isn't it? I thought about that this week and I'm like, ooh, I'd rather be graded by my wife's paper than mine. She loves on people better than I do. Matter of fact, sometimes I'm not even sure I like people, much less love them. <laughs> I'm being honest, right? Some people are hard to love. And if you've been doing your daily reading, which I certainly hope you have, and if you haven't, listen, order the book, that Purpose Driven Life book, and start it as soon as you get it, and spend the next 40 days reading it, because it's life-changing. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. God says anybody can love people that are lovable. I'm pretty good at that. If you really love me and treat me and my family well, I like you. If you march your dog across the street and pee on my mailbox, I don't like you so much. There's a story there, but I won't go into that today. <laughs> a saved heart is a serving heart. Here's fact number two. I'm called to serve. I'm saved to serve, but I'm also called to serve. Did you know that? If you know Jesus Christ, you've been called to serve. When you received Christ as your Savior, you received your call to become a servant which, by the way, Jesus was. He said, you want to be more like Jesus? you got to become a better servant. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He came to live an example for you and I. Can I tell you this? Regardless of what you do to earn a living, you're called to full-time Christian service. Do you realize that? If, 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 as, you, if, as a Christ follower, you and I are full-time service in God's Word, no matter what we do for an occupation. Matter of fact, you know what they call a non-serving Christian? A contradiction. It really is. It's a contradiction. If we have a Christians, remember, we've talked about that before, and I said people always ask or often ask me, hey, pastor, do you think you can be a Christian and not go to church? And I say, absolutely you can. You just can't be an obedient one. There's nothing more important to God than his church because the church is on a mission because God doesn't want anyone to die and be separated from him for eternity. And that the church, you and I that know him, don't do his work while we're here. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to miss heaven. 
a Christian that's not serving is a contradiction. That's why God speaks so much about his church, about connecting to a local church, about fulfilling one of the purpose, several of the purposes that he has for our life. You can't do it outside of the context of a local church. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, each of us finds our meaning, our meaning and function as a part of his body, which is the church. But as a chopped off finger or a cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? I love these visuals because I learned that way. If you lost a finger, you're going to miss it. There's going to be things you can't do as well. Anybody watching the Paralympics that's on right now? To watch what some of these people do with limbs missing, arms missing, legs missing. I watched late last night the U.S. hockey team win a gold medal against the Canadian hockey team. These guys sit on a blade, basically, with two sticks. They have two hockey sticks, short ones. But on the other end of the hockey stick, on the other end of the blade, they've got little gripper things that they can go fast on the ice. It's crazy. Every reason to say, I can't do this. But I'll guarantee every single one of them would tell you that there's things that they can't do or they have to do differently because of parts that they've lost or that don't function. Think of that as God's church. Every part is necessary. There's no extra parts, which means if everybody's not doing their part, other people have to try to fill those gaps and will never be as effective as God wants us to be. It's one thing to be raking your yard by yourself and said, man, if I had 20 people here, we could get it done like that. It just takes you longer. But we're talking about people either getting to heaven or missing heaven. And you and I are responsible, not for their decision, but to serve them, to love on them. Can I tell you, there's no big shots and there's no little shots in God's church. Well, yeah, but you're the pastor. I'm just one part. You want a good question to wrestle with today and this week? whether you're at home or you're here in person, ask yourself this, if you consider Crossroads your church, and if it's not Crossroads, ask this about whatever church you consider yourself to be a part of. If every person that attends my church or this church was as committed as me, served as much as me, gave as much of me as, as I do, worshiped as often as I do, what kind of church would this be? How effective would we be? That's a great question, isn't it? And you know what? Only you can answer. Only you get to decide what you will do. Only I get to decide what I'll do. There's no insignificant roles in God's church. None. There's no big shots. There's no little shots. You can't say, well, I'm an eyeball and I'm just a toenail. We're all important. Think about this. What's not happening in this church? What's not happening in this community, in this world that could be happening if every one of us was serving God by serving others? I think about that. I want you to think about that. Fact number three, I am commanded to serve. (laughs) I'm saved to serve. I was called by God to serve. I'm also commanded by God to serve. (laughs) Jesus said, your attitude must be like my own, for I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. If you claim his name, serving is not optional. As far as being obedient, as far as living out your God-given purposes, it's not optional. 
It's not, you know what, if I can find time in my schedule. (laughs) If you don't have time in your schedule as a Christian to serve God by serving others, you need to change your schedule. And so do I, because we're missing out. You you take a bucket list, right? If there's five things I'm going to accomplish in my my life, I'm going to focus on the five things God has because I'm going to stand before him one day. But when I realize all that he did for me, it's not a chore. I want to do that. Because I don't want anybody to miss him. Last week, we looked at the third purpose, and that's to become like Jesus. Well, Jesus is a servant. He's a servant. I can't be like him and not serve other people. I can't be like him and not use my time and my talent and my resources. I can't. But that's not how the world thinks. That's not how the world thinks. You know how we think in our world, especially in our country? If you have enough money, you can pay someone else to serve. (laughs) If you have enough money, I I read an article this last week, uh, one of the quarterbacks in the NFL, I I could tell you his name, but it doesn't really mean any difference. He said, I spend a million dollars a year on my body. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? A million dollars. I can't even fathom all that you're doing with a million dollars to take care of your body. I mean, there's only so many mani petties you can get, right? <laughs> only so many massages you can get. Only so many facials you can get. Only so many people to pay to train you or to cook for you or what? I don't even know. Sports psychologist to get your mind straight. I, I mean, I get it, but a million dollars a year. And he said, my wife is glad I do. I sit at home and say, are you kidding? I need another bar of soap in the shower already? (laughs) This stuff doesn't grow on trees. (laughs) And don't get me wrong. God talks a lot about our bodies, right? We should take care of our bodies. We only have one. Remember that number? How many days we have? What I don't, I want to get and stand before God one day and have him say, well done. What I don't want him to say is, why'd you get here so early? Not that it's going to surprise him, but he's going to know why I got there early. Like, Scott, you didn't take care of yourself. You didn't eat right. You didn't exercise right, right? (laughs) What if we asked more often, then who's going to do something for me is who can I do something for? Whose life can I make easier? How could I help my neighbor? How could I help this person, that person? If you want to be happy, you got to be helpful. You're going to be more fulfilled when you become more like Jesus and we start to put his priorities as our priorities. Again, I'll tell you, my wife is better than that than I am. She's helpful at times, quite honestly. I'll just be honest. Sometimes it makes me mad. It's like, where in the world have you been? She tells me all these people and what she's done. It's like, what do you mean? You did this and you did this and you did this. Like, she's somebody, you know, struggling to get their groceries out to their car. She'll load them up, right? She'll follow them home if you need them to, and she'll carry them in for you. I mean, and and we can kind of laugh, but I mean, seriously. And it's like, no, heck no, i I'm got to go home, Right? Joy floods your soul when you begin to give like Jesus did. I think one of the reasons why we're so, so many people are so miserable and so angry is because they're so self-centered. These last two years, it's been very easy to be self-centered. And in many ways, we had to be, but it's not the way we were designed. It rubs against how we are created by God. Fact number four, I'm shaped to serve. (laughs) Remember I told you you're not one in a million, you're one in six billion? That if you missed out on the weeks that we talked about how God uniquely made you, there's not another person like you, doesn't have the same personality that you have, the eye color, the hair color, the height, all of that, what you like, what you don't like, your personality, all of those things, God uniquely made you. 
Now, where our purposes are the same, these five purposes, you, you, you don't get to come up with your others. God's already told us the five purposes, and this is the fourth one, right? We don't get to design those. Now, how we live those out are very unique because you're different than I am. God uniquely made you different than he uniquely made me, so we don't have the exact same role. We don't have the same body part and the same function in the body, but we both have a responsibility. You're shaped to serve by God, and I'm shaped to serve by God, and our shapes aren't the same, but collectively God puts us together to do something we couldn't do alone, which again shows why there's no extra parts. And if there's parts that are supposed to be doing their thing and they're not doing their thing, then we don't accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish, and the world and the community suffers. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them for yourselves. Oh, no to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Everything that God puts in my hands is not for me. He wants me to be a conduit, not a stage, not not a wall where all the blessings stop. He wants to pass through me and bless other people. When God uniquely made you, do you realize he had a purpose in mind? He knew where you'd be on March the 13th, 2022, and he wanted to get your attention to say, hey, you've got something that I gave you that I want you to use for my honor and for glory in my body called the church. (laughs) There's no one else just like you. I shaped you to serve me by serving others and to make a difference in a world that will last for eternity. You know what I want for every single one of you? Whenever your last day is up and you take your last breath, first, I pray that you know Jesus because there's nothing more important than that. Second of all, I pray that you take another step today towards living out these purposes, that you'll realize that you were saved to serve. You've been called to serve. You've been commanded to serve. And that you'll begin to do it for his honor and for his glory. And that one day when you take your last breath, you're going to have person after person after person come up to you in heaven and tap you on the shoulder and say, I just need you to know that I'm here because of you. You say, how, what do you mean? I don't know that I've ever met you. Oh, you didn't, but you were, you were a part of the crew that did this. You were a part of a team that did this. You were a part of that crossroads church that... I got invited to because of what you guys were doing and I met Jesus and I'm here because of you. I'm here because you contributed financially. I'm here because, you know what, I heard you were one of the behind the scenes persons that did this work and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. You ever ask yourself that? Is there gonna be anybody in heaven because of me? Oh, they're going because of Jesus. Let's clear that up. But he invites us to his work. There are five things that make up your shape. I don't have time to go into extensive detail. We teach a whole class, class 301, about discovering your God-given shape. We'll offer those classes on May 1st, 101, which is our partnership, behind-the-scenes look. 201, how do you grow up spiritually? 301 is learning your God-given shape, and 401 is living the rest of your life with his plan. Here's your shape. The S of shape stands for spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. When you became a Christian, you got a spiritual gift from God. (laughs) At least one. If you say, well, gee whiz, I don't have and I can't do what everybody else does. You know, the cool, here's the good news. You weren't supposed to have what they had. God didn't make any mistake. He didn't make any junk. Spiritual gifts. The H is for heart. Do you realize you have a unique heartbeat? No one else has the exact heartbeat that you have. But not only do you not have the same heartbeat, you don't have the same passion, the same heart for certain things that other people have a heartbeat for. You just want to use your heart for things that are going to last for eternity. A lot of people put their heart and soul into things that aren't going to last. And I don't, you know, that that just doesn't make sense to me. God wants you to make a difference for eternity. A is for abilities. 
You know you can do things that other people can't? Well, I can't do this and I can't. A lot of us spend so much time telling other people and telling ourselves what we can't do rather than focus on what we can do. (laughs) You know what? When you really understand that one day we're going to stand before God and he's going to say, how were you faithful in what I gave you? We're not going to be saying, I wish you'd have gave me 100 more skill sets. I'm going to say, shoot, I only had two and I messed up one. Personality. You know what your personality is? It's what makes you you. By design. Now granted, there's things about you that you probably don't like. There's things about me that I don't like. There's things about me my wife doesn't like. I just say, hey, God made me this way. No. God made me in a certain way, but not to be a nuisance. Not to be ugly, not to be hateful. And then the E of shape is experiences. Do you know all your life experiences are not a waste unless you don't use them for God's glory? Even the dumb things that you did that hurt yourself or hurt other people, those experiences are part of your God-given shape. And do you know that oftentimes the best ministry you can do is in the place in the area of your life that has hurt you the most? Because who better to share with someone that's going through pain than someone that's already been there? One of the things I tell people often is I'll never say I know exactly what you're going through. First of all, because I don't. Second of all, because I've not been through what you're going through. And even if I've been through something very similar, I'm never going to tell you I know exactly what you're going through because you're different than I am. These five things make you unique. These five things make you who God wants you to be. And the reason you are what you are is on purpose by God. We see this evaluation referred to because one day, remember I told you, we're going to be evaluated. Romans 14, 12, each of us will give a personal account to God. He's going to say, how faithful were you? Did you do what I asked you to do? Did you live out your five purposes that I gave you? Did we use our time and our talent and our treasures in a way that honors God? Look at Mark 8.35, because in this verse you'll find the secret to life. No joke. If you insist on saving your life, you'll lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news, that's the gospel, that's sharing Jesus, will ever know what it means to really live. That's a secret most people will never know. when you realize that Christ gave his life for you and you give your life to him and to live out these purposes for the rest of your days, you'll find the secret to life and to satisfaction. If true satisfaction could be found in a job or a career or in more money, there'd be a lot of people that'd be satisfied. People aren't. Because you'll never be fully satisfied until you realize that you were made on purpose with a purpose and for a purpose by God. And until you do that, which you were created by the designer to do, you'll never be fully satisfied. Let me ask you, what are you going to be remembered for? What are you going to be remembered for? If you were to die tomorrow and people were to come to your funeral, what are you going to be known for? Being generous? Being a grump? Loving people. There are going to be people who said, you know, because of that person laying there, I know Jesus. What are you going to be known for? And that person was pretty self-centered their whole life. They didn't really care about anybody else. What do you want to be known for? I want you to be known by God is that person made their life count. They lived out my purposes. They made a difference for eternity. Are you serving him by serving other people? Those of you that are here in person, you have a half sheet 
of paper that was given to you that's a serving opportunity form. If you're at home watching online, you can go to our website and you can find the tab and you can go through this. What I want you to engage with is there's different areas, and this is just a starting point at Crossroads. There's eight major areas, and under each of those gray shaded areas, there's different opportunities that line up under that major category. All I want you to listen, if you're already serving at Crossroads, don't check what you're doing. All right? We're, we're, we're thrilled that you're doing that. We're not asking you necessarily to do more things, although I kind of look at two things at Crossroads. One is your first responsibility should be do something that's your God-given shape. That's like what you're cut out for. The other is just being a part of the family. Like at home, there's certain things I do that my wife can't do. I do those things. Then there's something else like taking out the trash. Somebody just has to do it. Either one of us can do it. So your primary responsibility at Crossroads should do to fit your shape. You could do a secondary thing that's just, hey, I, need, I want to do that. I want to be a participant. So guest services, if you look at guest services, that's first impressions. That's people that are into people, people, right? So some of these things you can tell are not as frequently utilized as other things. But if greeter, usher, traffic team, or what's happening center, student ministry, guest registration, the cafe, which isn't open yet, but we've got a plan for that, stay tuned. It may not be what you think. If you're more an administrative type, you like doing paperwork and you like doing things and computers and all that, that may be. If you're more of a campus support person to help things around, whether it's Kid Crossing or in our Alpha Omega team, cleaning up the building or outside or inside or facilities, you're good at maintenance and you've got time and talent to do that, that's what that is. If you're more of a presenter, a teacher, there's opportunities for that. If you're more a technical or a skilled person, there's opportunities there. If you're more into arts, you're the artsy type, you like to create and do that, there's opportunities. If you're more into outreach, in this community, locally, beyond our local opportunities to get involved. We partner with eight other organizations in this community, if that's more your thing, and care and support. You can see those things. All want, we want you to do is put an X in one box today. If you're already serving, right, and you're like, hey, how many more things they want? We don't want you to do more things. What we want to do is get some people into the game that don't think they can make a difference because God didn't make any extra parts and he didn't make any junk. If you'd put an X in one of those, make sure your name, your phone number, your email is on there, and then it says best time to contact you. Let us know when because someone that is in charge of that area that you check is going to contact you this week. Do this one thing. Please don't put an X and then have people call you that want to talk and say, how can we get you involved? How can we answer some questions so you'll know if this is truly what you're interested in and you don't get back to them? Please don't do that. God's work is way, way, way too important for that. And don't do it out of guilt. <laughs> Guilt's only a short-term motivator. Do it out of gratitude because God, wow, if I'm not doing something for you and I know you, I'm too busy. If you're not serving, today's your day. Get off the bleachers. You were shaped for it. It's one of the reasons God created you. Add it to your bucket list. I want to be who God created me to be. And take action. This is the shoe leather part. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that people would take a step today, those that uh, God may be sitting on the sidelines and don't realize that you didn't make any junk or mistakes, that God, you've called them to serve. If they know you, God, you want to use them to make a difference. That God, if this is their church home, this is their family, that God, we don't have extra parts. There's a lot of work that we're not getting done because...
not everyone's participating. God, help us take a step to be doers of your word. For some of you here today, listen, if you've never given your life to Christ, that's step number one, to receive God's love. If you'll provide the sinner which you are, God will provide the Savior. His name is Jesus. He's willing to forgive you. Come and take up residence in your heart. Take everything that you've done wrong and cast it in the sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered anymore. He will adopt you into his family. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And then these rest of these purposes, you can begin to live out. If that's you today, you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, make this your prayer. Say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. I understand you are the only one perfect. And they crucified you on a cross and you died. And three days later, you defeated death. And so that anyone that puts their faith and trust in you, you'll give credit for your perfection. You'll adopt into your family. You'll forgive them. God, that's me. So today, as best I know how, I give you my heart. I ask you to be my Savior and Lord. And from this day forward, I want to live the rest of my life living out the purposes that you have for me. Use me, I pray. I'll give you all the praise because you deserve it. In your name, amen. Those of you in person, um, make sure your name and your contact information's on there. Make sure it's not signed like a doctor so no one can read it or understand it. When you leave today in just a couple of minutes, you can drop them in the yellow buckets that the, greet or the ushers will have at the exit doors. Those of you that are at home and filling it out, you can... Uh, Contact us, get it to us, fill that out, and um, follow up that way as well. Next week, we're going to wrap up this purpose-driven life. We'll look at our fifth purpose. You do not want to miss that. Ladies, a women's Bible study that's going to start soon, March 22nd. It's on a Tuesday night. It'll run for six Tuesday nights. It happens here at the church from six to eight. If you're here in person, you can sign up at the What's Happening Center or you can go home and register online on our website. It says Women's Study. You can click on that. There's materials that they need for you to order, and it'll show you how to do that. If you're at home, just click on that tab on our website, and you can do that. And we're five weeks away, five Sundays away from Easter Sunday. Let me encourage you to pray for some people that you know that don't know Jesus. Let me get you to start to think about having a conversation first with God and then with them about inviting them to join you for Easter at Crossroads. It's going to be a great, life-changing day, and you could be one invitation. They could be one invitation away from meeting Jesus. It's one of our purposes. It's one of the opportunities. Anybody going to be in heaven because of you? It could start with just a simple invitation. Stay tuned for more details about Easter at Crossroads. Hope you have a great, great day. Listen, that hour that you lost, you really didn't lose it. We gained one earlier in the year. So don't fret too much about that. God bless. Have a good day.